0: Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group, and today I'm talking with Philip Alexander, an Information Security Officer for a major financial institution. We're talking about state data breach disclosure laws. Phil, good morning to you. Good morning, Tom. Phil, how did you come to write and speak about state data breach disclosure laws, I know you're doing a lot of now?
1: All right. Well, in, my, uh, in the field I'm in, the job I do, we do a lot of risk assessments. And because I work for a financial institution, we're very, you know, cognizant and aware and concerned about different data breach disclosure laws. And going back about three years ago, we were focusing heavily on California Senate Bill 1386. That's the state data breach disclosure law that started it all within the United States. And it dawned on me that, you know, California can't be alone. That certainly other states have adopted similar laws. And I started doing research and uh, the book was born from there because as of right now, about 39 states have their own data breach disclosure law.
0: And you've got one book out now. What's the title of that book, Phil?
1: The title of the book is Data Breach Disclosure Laws, a State-by-State Perspective.
0: And what surprised you as you've reviewed the laws state-by-state and as you put together your book?
1: Well, I think one of the main things that surprised me was uh, roughly 30% of the states give themselves a pass. And let me explain what I mean by that. All the state data breach disclosure laws hold businesses, the private sector, liable in the event of a data breach, that includes sensitive information about residents of their state. But about a third give themselves a pass. They, they exclude their own state agencies. So it's kind of a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do type scenario, which I found surprising and, you know, in, in a certain extent a little disappointing.
0: Now, when you talk with your colleagues, what do you find is most misunderstood about the data breach disclosure laws?
1: Uh, what, what I find kind of surprising is um, they, they understand uh, there's misconceptions about the subtle differences and how that can impact you know what you must do to uh, disclose uh, the fact they think there's a misconception out there that if I have a nice firm contract with a third party that I can make it their liability to disclose and that's just not the case because the laws are very specific that would be ex- with the exception of the three major credit bureaus The data owner owns a liability to disclose if the breach occurred at a vendor.
0: Now, as you have researched and you've written and you've spoken about the topic, the number of states with data breach disclosure laws has
1: increased, correct? That is correct.
0: Number now today?
1: The number today is currently 39 states, but I also want to add that currently, of the 11 that don't have such laws in the books, six states are debating such laws right now. Okay. So they're at various levels.
0: So we see states coming on board. What other trends do you see as you survey the states?
1: The states are really starting to tighten down on use of personal information, and most notably are social security numbers. I see that as a major trend. In fact, one of the trends, or one of the recent laws, was one passed by Minnesota. In fact, it's not even scheduled to go into effect until July of 2008. Which basically says you cannot sell the Social Security number of a resident of the state of Minnesota. Now that I mean the impact on there is is to be seen, but for example, right now the three major credit bureaus have said that they will that they're going to truncate the Social Security numbers of residents of Minnesota effective uh, July 1st next year.
0: So they're quickly taking action, as you know. They say July 1st. Often people wait until you know. June thirtieth, but you know, in this case, they're really getting proactive about it.
1: Well, I think I think that's important because one, you know, they're they're hoping. I mean, I, I've talked to some of my peers and other financial institutions, and they're hoping there's some kind of carve-out or exception made for a financial institution and banks engaged in anti fraud activity. You know that we that they can in fact use the, a whole Social Security number, but I wouldn't bank on that. And like you said, you know, uh, a project of, of these size—in other words, preparing for truncated Social Security numbers—is not something you do overnight. So I think it's it's being prudent and proactive not to wait, as you said, till July, fir- you know, thirtieth, and hope you're ready the next day. Right. Yeah.
0: Now, Phil, you're producing a webinar on this topic now. What's the big takeaway in that presentation?
1: The takeaway I want people to um, to get from the webinar is to see the trend. You know. Um, more states are adopting database disclosure laws, and they're putting restrictions on use of sensitive information. In fact, there's even, you know, uh, some states are considering legislation on information that can be sent overseas. Now, I mean, a certain amount of, of sensitive information, especially banks, you need, you need that in order to uh, conduct your business. But if it's not necessary, don't use it. Don't, I think the takeaway is don't assume risk unnecessarily. If you don't need to use a social security number, don't. Right. No In one's internally, if you can use a customer identifier that will do the same job, start moving to that because I see you know, the government, both the federal and state level, putting more and more restrictions on the use of social security numbers and other personally identifiable information.
0: I bet you find this to be a real eye-opener for a lot of the people you talk with. I know you go around to a lot of uh, conferences and such.
1: You know what it is? A lot of people say, well, I encrypt my data so my data is secure. Or, or I've sent it to a third party. I have a very strong contract with them, so I'm secure. Well, you know, not necessarily. No one security countermeasure or no one line in a contract is the end all to protecting data privacy. And uh, you know, another thing I say is, the risks involved, depending on the state and nature of the breach, I've I've seen statistics anywhere from $35 a record up to $135 a record of the cost of a breach. When you're talking about millions of records, that can add up, to, you know, to big money very quickly, and sure. that surprises people.
0: Sure, Phil, has your research and what you've uncovered changed a lot about how you conduct business in your own institution? Uh,
1: you know, it has. It's um, for one, it's really you know, added to my credibility. You know, now when I start bringing up my concerns, they say, "Okay, this is the guy who researched this and published the book on it," and uh, it's also given a lot of credence of, you know, let's be more proactive and let's start you know, removing social security numbers when they're not necessary. Because, you know, going back to the the inception of the social security number, it really is for, as name would say, security, and tax reporting. I mean, it might be a really great identifier, but it's also a very risky one.
0: No, you're right. You make a great point. Mm -hmm. Phil, if you could boil it down to a single piece of advice for banking and security executives just starting to consider the various data breach disclosure laws and the impact, what piece of advice would you offer to them?
1: I would say like other aspects of risk, like there's risk when you uh, you know, give someone a credit card or uh, a mortgage, data risk is the same thing. Make it a very informed decision. Do not accept risk unnecessarily because in my opinion, you know, customers are going to start looking at, you know, how, you know, do you protect my data as one of their deciding factors when to engage in business with banks, you know, just as important as good customer service. So uh, only use sensitive data when absolutely necessary. If you don't need it, don't use it. And um, make sure you have the best and brightest working for you because there are 39 states that have similar laws. More are coming, and it's only going to get more complex and uh, more involved as uh, time passes.
0: Excellent point. Phil, I appreciate your insight today.
1: Thank you. Tom, it was our pleasure.
0: Look forward to your webinar on the topic. And for Information Security Media Group, and on the behalf of Philip Alexander, I'm Tom Field.